This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so a couple of announcements. First of all, um, Ornava, some of you were there, a lot of you were there. So we had a, um, the market, I don't know if you remember, we had the market, it was two days, and in the middle of the, like, the, a few weeks before Pesach, a lot of women came. We decided that in the summer, oh, Muncie's here, we decided in the summer to make another market. But it's up in the Catskills, it's up in the mountains. See, because our luck is that you're really not supposed to buy new stuff. You know, in the, in the nine days, in the three weeks, you're not supposed to buy anything new. So, like, over the years, you know, ladies, um, not sure that they would do anything wrong. Ladies never do anything wrong. But they sort of, they don't buy anything in the three weeks or the nine days. They just go to the store and put it aside. And then they come pick it up after the nine days. Which really, halachically, I don't know. It's a little bit of a stretch of, uh, you know. So they sort of buy it, you know, their hand's a little bit different, they buy it. So we decided that instead of everyone running into Borough Park and to all the other places to the stores during the nine days to put it aside, because um, our luck is really that in business, right, so in the nine, you're supposed to pretty much stay away from any big deals, any operations in the three weeks and the nine days. But there's a thing called a double avud. Let's say someone comes and he has a piece of property that's worth $5 million and they're selling it for $3 million. And if you're going to wait till after the three weeks, you're not going to get the deal. You're going to lose money on the deal. Now, luckily, if it's a double of wood, you're allowed to buy it in the... In the uh, so a lot of people, well, things are on sale and if I don't buy it during the three weeks, you know, all fifth is not going to have the sale anymore and then I'm going to miss out so i got to put it on the layaway and put it on that. And then one lady said to me, I use a credit card and the credit card doesn't really, I don't pay the bill for 30 days. So even though I buy it during the nine days, I don't pay for it during the nine days because I pay the check. So it's sort of like they lend me the money. So Halakha, I'm like, wow, this lady's like, she's like a rabbi. Like, wow, how'd you come out with all that? So, so we decided to make it easy. And we're going to have three days after, um, three days after Tishabov on that Wednesday, we, 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 have six, we have 60 shops up there in the, in the college. There's a college up there. The Lach Sheldrick, SUNY Sullivan College in Lach Sheldrick. So that Wednesday, in Mitz Hashem, from 11.30 on, we have the same shops that we had in the Brooklyn market. So you don't have to put anything on layaway. You can buy it after, after Tisha B'Av. So they're pushing this $99 package. If I don't do this to grill my office, they're going to kill me. So they're, they're pushing this $99 package. If you buy the $99 package, first of all, it helps right now a lot. But... Um, you can win a sari wig. I have no idea what that is. I don't wear one, but um, it's supposed to be something really special. And then you get a compliment every lunch. And you can come. Listen to this. It opens at 1130. But if you have a ticket from the $99, you can come at 930. Special for the people of the VIP tickets. I don't understand this because, like, we buy suits. It doesn't matter what time we show up. But you can come two hours earlier than everyone else. So you get first look. So you can buy the whole place out before anyone else gets there. It seems to be, have a value. So, um, so whoever is interested, you can go to our Nava events, www.rnavaevents.com or call 718, this is for the camera, 718-891-0877. Okay, I did my job, girls. Okay, shkoyach. Um, I'm very, very excited. I bought five horses today. I never, I never thought that Rabbi Wallerstein would be have anything to do with horses. It wasn't like my 
dream as a kid. But um, we now have eight horses, Baruch Hashem. That's how many horses we're supposed to have. So we have eight horses. We bought five horses. Hashem is amazing. Because I got a phone call. These five horses, there was someone who had these, a ranch, and they're worth a lot of money, and they, had, they were closing, and they had someone buying them. And the last second, the people who were buying them canceled. So now they didn't have a place for the horses because the ranch was closed. So he called us up. He heard about my ranch, and he said, just give me an offer. And I, I like that you're helping girls and da, 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 big story. Anyway, so I called up the Rav. I said, can I buy horses in the three weeks? You want to buy horses? I don't know. Never bought horses before. And he said, you don't make a shechion on a horse. So you can buy a horse. So we drove up today and we bought five horses. So I'm very excited we have eight horses. Anyway, um, Hashem is good. Hashem is good anyway. But Lamaisa is one miracle after another miracle in this, in this ranch. I would love to take a bus and take you all up there. Maybe one day. We'll see. So we have dedications. I'm not going through them all. There's, you know, there's the name of the ranch and the name of the riding academy and the, the, the real things that I think that are affordable to the people who come to my share and watch my share. I don't know if it's affordable. Are the mezuzahs. So there are, there are 54 mezuzahs in this place that we know of. There's 10 questions. If you need mezuzahs or not. On a ranch, horses, is that... Right, so there's, we're having a rough come up to take a look at it, but there are, right now there are 54 mezuzahs. Two of them have been sold. The two front doors have been sold. So now there are 52. What's it called? Ben. Ben is 52. Right, which, how do we know that Ben is 52? Anyone here know? How do we know that Ben is 52? Basically, known as 52. Because it says, Hashem blessed Abraham with everything. The Gematria Bakol Beis Chof Lamed is 52. So if you have a boy, you have everything. You're not upset about that? You're okay with that? What happens if you have a daughter? What's the, do- what's the Gematria of a daughter? Bas. Bas is 402. Way more than Ben. So don't get insulted, okay? So anyway, we have 52 mezuzahs. So whoever's interested in dedicating mezuzah, it's $2,500. You can pay it out. You can pay it out over a few, over a year or two, whatever you want. That's the mezuzahs are available. I now made all my announcements. Okay, now let's learn. So we, we last week we spoke about the Gemara about Mashiach. Remember that Gemara? And it said in the Gemara something that I didn't understand. It said in the Gemara that there'll be many many grapes, but the price of wine in the times of Mashiach will be very expensive. So I got an email and they said, Rabbi Watson, look at Rashi. We get Rashi in the Gemara, what it says. Because it doesn't make sense. If you have a lot of something, the price doesn't go up, the price goes down. So if you have a lot of grapes, the price goes So Rashi says that in the time of Mashiach, there'll be so many Jews that will be alcoholics, so Rashi says, that will drink wine. There'll be so many Jews that will have a taiva for wine that it will drive the price of wine up. Now, whoever is my age, and I'm not mentioning my age, right? Whoever is my age or a little bit younger, when we were growing up, there were three kinds of wine. Tokay, Malaga, which they put like 60,000 pounds of sugar into, right? And Cream Concord. That's it. And then Manischewitz, Manischewitz wasn't kosher enough for us very religious people. So... 
There were three kinds of wine. You know how much a bottle of wine was? Four dollars. Two fifty. Malaga was two fifty. I run a Pesach program. There are guys in my program that ship their wine. The bottles of wine that they drink are $150 bottles of wine. $120. God forbid you should put out wine for Pesach that's less than $45 a bottle. So all of a sudden, the Jewish nation became a bunch of winos. We, we, didn't, we just made kiddish. We didn't know, you know, $100 bottle of wine, $50 bottle of wine, dry wine, this one, that one, scotch, blue label, single barrel, guys come to a vart. Girls, God forbid, any of you, if you get engaged, you got to tell your father, you know, your in-laws, you have to have, it has to be at least 21 years old, right? Scotch has to be at least 21 years old. God forbid if it's 10 years old, it's not even bar mitzvah, you can't put it on the table. It's not bar mitzvah, it can't be on the table. Like, all of a sudden, we, the Jewish people, we like, we like it to scotch, how old it is, single barrel, double barrel, everyone's walking in, oh, I like these people. Look at their, you know, liquor. This is not... It's not who we are. We're not a bunch of drunks. It was not alcoholism. wasn't a Jewish thing. In shul, I used to look at all the old men after chakras. You girls don't go to shul. They would have a little cup of slivovitz, plum brandy. That was it. What's going on? So Rashi says that in the times of Mashiach, wine's going to be expensive because the Jewish nation is going to start. Even though there's a lot of grapes going to start drinking there's going to be a taiva you know I go sometimes to these charity events and many times I have been asked um, to make a charity event for Ornava for men because that's what gives the big money you got to have cigars right cigars and wine tasting we're hoo-ha does it say anywhere in the Torah that Avram Avinu on the third day after the Brismillah we're sitting outside his tent, smoking a cigar. Where do we see in the Torah that anyone smoked a cigar, <coughs> or, or or was drunk? Who in the in the in the, in the who in the Torah was drunk? Anyone know who was drunk? Noah. What? Noah. And what happened? The lion bit him. No, 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 no. That's much worse than the lion bit him, right? Much worse than the lion bit him. So his son. No, his son, his son hurt him very badly. He, he, he was an Ish Adama. The first Pasuk in Noah says, Elotos Noach, Noach Ish Sadik, The next time it talks about him, it calls him an Ish Adama, man of the earth. What happened to the Tzadik? Because the first thing he did was he planted that he should have wine so that when he comes out, he shouldn't feel so bad that the whole world died. He got into big trouble because of that. So, there is nothing I, I was telling you, I, was, I spoke yesterday. You know, many times I speak to Holocaust, people who came out of the Holocaust, and I'm talking about Mashiach, and you know, we have all these songs, we want Mashiach, and everyone's walking around, Trump's going to be president, Trump's the Gematria Mashiach, I doubt it. Um, that is the Gematria Mashiach, maybe Gematria of other things, but I don't think Mashiach, right? And, and, and the people who came out of the Holocaust, they're like, you're yeah, right. When I was in the Holocaust and everybody was dying, what was it? What was all the people saying? Six million Jews are dying. We're going to hear the show from the concentration camp. Shit's going to be here. So, like, I had this discussion this week with a Holocaust survivor. He's like, "You gave a shit about Mashiach. You told everyone that 
you know, you took out the Gemara and you talked about Mashiach's here. You know what? It's 80 years I was in the Holocaust. I was in the concentration camp. You know what the, what the, where we were all mumbling to each other when we were laying there at night, starving and dying? The chauffeur, we're going to hear the chauffeur tomorrow morning. Because it says in the times of Mashiach, there's going to be mass death and mass war. He said, no. Wildstein, it's 80 years later. So now you're talking about it again? Right? So that's when I got to see this whole Gemara. I said, you know what? Let's learn together. Let's take a look at this Gemara. So in the Gemara that we read last week, it says, Chutzpah. By the way, it's very interesting. Because the beginning of the Gemara, someone told me this week, the beginning of the Gemara says, Chutzpah Yiske. Chutzpah will be across the world. Right? Then it says, a father, a, a, a child will embarrass his father, a daughter will embarrass her mother, a daughter-in-law will embarrass her mother-in-law. The, 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 the greatest enemy of the family will become from within their own home, right? It's Gemara, it says that, all these different things. So he said, why did it start with the word chutzpah yiska? So he said, and what does it mean that chutzpah will be across the world? He says, the word chutzpah in English, is, they didn't change it. There's no English word for chutzpah. So if you go into the dictionary, the word chutzpah in English is spelled chutzpah. So it's a word that's across the world that in other languages, it's called, they say chutzpah because they can't say ch, right? They call it chutzpah. Maybe that's what the Gemara meant. What does it mean across the world? That the word chutzpah is going to be across the world. Everyone's going to know what that word means. Anyway, so I told this Holocaust survivor, I said, with all respect, the Gemara says there's going to be a terrible death, and there's going to be an atomic bomb, right? The Navi says that their flesh will burn off their, 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 their faces, their eyes will melt in their sockets, which is radiation, which is nuclear war. In World War II, we had Hiroshima, we had the, the atomic bomb, we had the mass death, not only of Jews, but millions of people who died in that war, Right? So a lot of the Chachamim say that it doesn't say that Mashiach's one day is going to be a war, there's going to be chutzpah. It's, it's, it's a, a time capsule. So that the, the Second World War was the war of Mashiach. And after the war of Mashiach will come all the other things. And I said to him, I said, with all respect, if, you would have, if I would have been in the Holocaust with you, and you would have said to me that, that's it, we're all dying, Mashiach's coming... I would have said to you, but what about all the other things in the Gemara? Because in the Holocaust, there was no chutzpah. The Jewish kids had crazy respect. If a father looked at his kid in a different way, the kid would sit up straight. You didn't have to say anything. If you ever talk to Europeans, the derech eretz of the Europeans and of the Svardin, the Svardish kids, they would, you know, their parents would walk in, they would stand up. There was no such thing. My father, I remember when we were kids, at a kiddish, there was no such thing that I could sit down at a kiddush before all the adults were sitting. Today, you go to a kiddush, you take anything to eat. All the kids are sitting at all the tables, and who's putting them at the tables? Their parents. Here, sit down. Here, sit down. I'm like, excuse me? No, my children have to sit. Hello? I was never allowed to sit at a kiddush until every single person was seated. And, of course, when they were seated, there were no other seats. So as kids, we just stood on the side. Today... He's like, excuse me. He sits down right in your face. So had I been at that time, I would have said, part of what's supposed to happen, happened. But all this other stuff, like 
the enemy will come from within your own home. Your daughters will not speak to their mothers. Boy, um, children will embarrass their parents in public. It would be like, what are you talking about? So I said to him, but today, there's not one piece of that Gemara. There's not one piece of what that Gemara says will be that hasn't happened. There's not like one piece that we're waiting for to happen. Mashiach's almost here, but that didn't happen yet. Everything that the Gemara says happens. It's very different than the Holocaust. The Holocaust happened, but all the other things happen. You know, where it says that the leaders will look behind them to see that they want to be popular. Everyone wants to be popular. You know, I have to think before I speak, especially with that thing open. You say one wrong word, and you're on WhatsApp in five seconds, and there's a million people on WhatsApp and talking much and hard about you. You can be destroyed in, in one second. So you're going to be so careful, you're going to say something, it's going to get to YouTube, and then all the lesbians and gay people are going to hear that the rabbi got up and spoke bad about it, and then they're going to, you're going to be in the New York Times, and then you're going to be a racist, and then you're going to be a... Holy cow, you can't say anything. You can't say nothing about nobody, about nothing. Because you have the internet. Story that happened this week. Somebody that I know very well, somebody started talking Lashon Hara about him. Not Stam Lashon Hara, that he's a Ganef, and he's a this, whatever it is. This guy is like one of the biggest tzaddikim of our door. The sweetest night, whatever, whatever, for whatever reason, it spread so fast. Within two minutes, it went from WhatsApp to WhatsApp to WhatsApp, to family chat, to school chat, to bungalow chat, to, to, to the mountains chat, to New York chat, to school chat, to every chat that you can imagine. And every person on their chat has, right? And then every person on that chat has. So within three minutes, any grocery that he would go to, anywhere that he would walk, they'd be like, oh my God, you know what they said about you? The Chavetz Chaim never dreamt. You know what? You get into a room and you say, Lashon Hara, okay. You say, 500 people in front of you. 50,000 people in two minutes. So the Satan created this vehicle that you can destroy somebody in a tweet. I don't know what a tweet is. I don't, I don't, when I grew up, a tweet was something a bird did. I, 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 I don't know what it is today. I don't know, you know, I don't have one of those. I have a, a number of my phone. Is, it doesn't tweet. What should I do? It doesn't tweet. It doesn't twang. It doesn't do anything. I don't know what it is. It's a Nebuch phone. What? Twitter tweet, right? I, I, I'm just, I'm saying, I know a little bit. Yeah, I, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to explain it. It's fine. So, so, so they really, on a level that you can't even imagine, destroyed this boy. Destroyed him. He's a tzaddik. In Shemayim, don't mess with this guy. He's a very big tzaddik. I know what he does. So he called me up, and of course he's very, very upset. And I said, I'm asking you a favor. So first of all, something that my father taught me. In fact, he underlined, you know, he didn't leave me a will. He didn't leave me a will. I wish, he, you know, he was very sick for three months. I wish he would have written me something that I could read. But he never, I looked in all his books and all his drawers because my father never believed he would die. So why would he write a will? He didn't buy, he didn't buy a burial plot. He didn't write a will. He was like, you know, I'll have a refuel So he never wrote anything. But he, his main safer that he taught was the Ma'amloes. And in the Ma'amloes, he underlined many messages. So he didn't write me a will, but all I need to do is open up his Ma'amloes, and I see exactly what was important to him. 
in one of the things we talked to Mishpatim about stealing. So he underlined the Ma'amloas, and the Ma'amloas said, Nobody can steal from you, nobody can hurt you, nobody can embarrass you unless God signs the decree. So, why does the person get punished? Hashem signed that he, should, that he could steal from me, so why does he get punished? Because I sh- who does Hashem use to steal from you? Aganov. So he's, he deserves to get punished, but he can't take one penny, he writes to my mind, he can't take one penny from your pocket unless it's written. So he, ha- he has to be punished. But you should not hate him. Because really, he's a shliach. So, the reason the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed and that we're in the three weeks is because of sinas chinam. Right? What does sinas chinam mean? Hating someone for free, for no reason. So does that mean that if I have a reason, I'm allowed to hate you? Are you allowed to hate another Jew? The Torah says, You're not allowed to hate another Jew in your heart. So what's this whole thing of sinas chinam? Sounds like you're only not allowed to hate someone for no reason. Who hates someone for no reason, right? And the terrorist is that if you understand that a person can only hurt you if they were allowed to hurt you, and that they're a shliach, and even though they're going to get punished for what they did, you wouldn't hate them. It's not about them. Yes, they're a shliach and they're bad, they did something very wrong. But that it happened to me has nothing to do with them. Hashem wanted it to happen to me. And if you understood that, you would understand that any hatred, any hatred for another human being, no matter what they did to you, is bechinam. It's for no reason. <laughs> because they're a shliach of Hashem. It's a very high level, don't get me wrong. But that's called sinas chinam. So my Talmud called me up. And he's very hurt. And they, they mamish ripped him, they made up stories about him, whatever. And I said to him, I said, I have to ask you a favor. I know what I'm about to ask you is very hard. But being my student is very hard. He's like my Talmud. He's a Rebbe, half a day. And he's a businessman, half a day. I have a few hand-picked Talmudim that do what I do. He's one of them. He does more than I do. He's a tzaddik. So I said, I'm going to ask you a favor. I, I know it's not fair. But I'm your Rebbe and I hold you to a very high level. And I read a Marashi, I want to read you. In the Machokas of Korach, and this is very important for everybody, Chas V'Sholem never ever get involved in Machokas. Even if you think you're right, even if your shul is right, even if it's the family, you stay out of Machokas. God walks away. Anytime there's no Sholem, Sholem, peace, is the keli, is the vessel that God that mitzvahs and Torah, if there's no shalom, it's a cracked vessel and everything leaks out. You can be the biggest tzaddik and do everything for everyone. If you don't have shalom, you have nothing. The mission in Pirkei I remember saying it by my, my father-in-law's Leviah, how does a person know if God loves you? How do you know? Maybe God doesn't like you. How do you know if you're doing the right thing, says the Mishnah? Call Shaharuach any human being that's loved by other human beings is loved by Hashem. Any human being that's hated by other human beings, no matter how many mitzvahs he does, God doesn't like him. 
This boy is very loved by human beings. He's helped many, 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 many children. So I want to read you what it says inside. said by Korach to the Go away, go walk away from all of these Risham. Leave Dasan Vaviram. Vidasan Vaviram Yatsunitsab and Pesachahilehem. Dasan Vaviram was standing outside their tent. Unishehem and their wives, Uvinehem and their children, the Tapam. So standing outside the tent, they were against Moshe Rabbeinu, was Dasan Vaviram, their wives, their sons and daughters, the Tapam, and their little babies. Okay? Says Rashi, one of the scariest Rashis. My father was once president of a shul, and there was Machlokes. And he stepped down, and he never, ever, for the next 30, 40 years, went to a shul meeting, to a board meeting. Never after that. He would not take a position in the shul. And people were like, why aren't you? And he said, I will not be part of Machlokas. And he said, I will quote you this Rashi. It is one of the scariest Rashis in the whole Torah. And it's very important for everyone who's listening to this year. Rashi says the following, the Pasuk says, his Dothan Aviram, their wives, Uvenayim and their children, the Tapam and their baby. Bo Ure'ei, says Rashi, come and see. Kama Kosha How bad is Machlokas? How would you translate Machlokas? Arguments, right? Shahari Bezdin Shalmata ain't The Bezdin in this world cannot judge a Jew unless the boy is 13. Or the girl is twelve. Bezin Shalmaila at Esrim Shana. Bezin Shalmaila cannot judge a Neshama until that person's twenty. They can, but here, Ovdu Af Even the babies who were nursing, the infants, were judged and were swallowed up by the earth. So the Bezin in the world can't do anything to you unless you're by mitzvah or bas mitzvah. The Bezdin and Shemayim until you're 20 can't judge you. A person who dies before they're 20 are not judging Shemayim. And here, nursing babies were swallowed and, and killed in the earth. So Rashi says, I don't understand. They didn't do anything wrong. They're babies. Rashi says, when they're involved in machlokas, everybody goes down. Your children are not protected. Your babies are not protected. Why? So the Mamloya says, because when there's Machlokas, Hashem sends two Malachim, one's called Af, and one's called Chema. The only two Malachim that Moshe Rabbeinu was scared of when he went to Shemayim. They are the destroying angels. And when Af and Chema, Chas V'Sholem, are sent into the world, the good, the bad, everybody that's near, that's part of, that has anything to do with, gets swallowed up, there's no protection. There's no protection from those two malachim. So when you see a machlokas, even if you think that they're right, when you see a machlokas in the family, you run for your life. My father ran mamish to the other side. He would give in, even though he was right. Never used to always say, Zechariah, 
never machlekes because when there's machlekes, even if you're innocent, you're going down. Look what happened over here. The babies, there were nursing babies. Hashem doesn't punish nursing babies. What did they do wrong? Machlokes is Rashi. One of the scariest Rashi's in the Torah. Stay out of Machlokes. So I asked my student, I said, these people have children and families. I need you to be Michael them. Even though they spread your name, they destroyed you. I need you to be Michael them with your whole heart. Say in front of Hashem, I am Michael. They could not have done this to me unless you wanted it to happen to me. I said to him, you just got into Ganeiden. You should really go to their houses, knock on the door and say, here's a hundred grand. There's a story with the Chafetz Chaim, true story. Chafetz Chaim spoke on Shabbos in a shul. It was a modern shul. And the president didn't like what he was saying. So the president of the shul got up. Imagine Chavetz Chaim. But look, you know, you don't know what you have until they until they die. Achrei Mos Kedoshim. After they die, they become holy. Ramosha Feinstein on the east side used to give a share Friday morning in Chumash. Ramosha Feinstein. You know how many people came to that share? Six, ten. Ramosha Feinstein gave a share today. The whole giant stadium, sixty thousand people. You couldn't get in. When they're around, you don't appreciate it. Rosh Pinkus, no one appreciated it. Rashmul Birnbaum, the big gadol, was my Rosh Hashiva, gave a, gave a shir Fridays, nobody came. My mashgiach of Aaron Feldman, who was from the Altamir in, in, in Europe, who was a gadol gadol, right? When I came to Mir Yeshiva, and he came to Musa Seder, and he got up, we all packed out. We went to, we went to lunch. Who knew who he was? Now, from Aaron Feldman, Ramach Schwab was my, in Beishraga. I learned with Ramach Schwab. Because he felt he owed my grandfather, who was in Frankfurt, who learnt with him, he felt he owed him something. So I was a little 10th grader, and second Seder, he would sit and learn with me. This is a Gadol Hadar. I put my head down right in front of the man and went to sleep. <laughs> Mark Schwab to have 30 seconds with him. He was a Lamed Vavnit. But you, you, don't know, you don't know what you have, you know. So I guess they didn't know who the Chafetz Chaim was in the generations of the Chafetz Chaim. So this president got up and embarrassed and told him he doesn't want him speaking anymore, made him sit down. Imagine that. And so we don't want you here anymore. We don't want to hear what you have to say. He embarrassed the Chafetz Chaim Berabim. Not Beradin, Berabim. In public. No Shabbos. Mati Shabbos. Chafetz Chaim had nothing in his house. He had a, a chair, two chairs, a broken table, and a little broken swarm shot. He had one thing. A beat up Silver Becher for Kiddush. He knocks on the door of the president of the shul on Matzah Shabbos, and the president sees the Chavetz Chaim. He figures, oh, he's going to get it now for what he did. And the Chavetz Chaim says, I would like to give you, first I want to apologize. He said, you want to apologize to me? He says, yes. I wish I had much more to give you. But I want to give you my only earthly thing that I own, which is my silver cup. Please take it. And the president said, Rabbi, I embarrassed you in front of him. Why would you give me this? So it's a famous story. The Chavetz Chaim said, I wrote Mishabrura. I wrote Shemir Salashim. But maybe a little bit I felt good about it. A little gaiva. I said, I don't, I don't know if all my mitzvahs were pure. So I don't know if they're going to let me into Gan Eden, Chavetz Chaim. But it says, if a person gets embarrassed in public, 
and you don't answer back, you're guaranteed your kaino oilam haba b'shoachas in one second. You, he said to the president, you got me into Gan Eden. How do you pay someone for getting you into Gan Eden? I'm sorry, all I have is a silver cup. So I told my town when I said, oh my gosh, how many people you think were in the room when they embarrassed the Chavetz Chaim? A hundred? Eighty? They embarrassed you? Forget it, you're on WhatsApp and it keeps going. Maybe a million people saw already. Who knows? I said, wow, that shark of Canadian, you know how much money you owe these guys? I said, you're just going to walk in there, your family, your kids, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, because he didn't answer them back. He didn't answer them back. He didn't send out to everyone that they sent out to answer, say like, they made whatever. He didn't answer them back. I said, give me a bracha. Because the person who gets insulted in public and, and doesn't answer, they're the, the koyach to give a bracha. So I made him stay on the phone, give me a big bracha. So a person has to look at life. Nobody can hurt you unless Hashem signed off. So you be makabalit. And you say, whatever it is, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's my ticket to get naked. Maybe I was supposed to die this year. Maybe on Rosh Hashanah they wrote that I was supposed to die this year. But now that someone embarrassed me in public, and the Gemara says when someone's embarrassed in public and their face gets red and all the blood rushes to their face, it's considered like you killed him. So even though they wrote on Rosh Hashanah he's supposed to die, Hashem had Rachamim. This guy embarrassed you in front of everybody. And that's it. Hashem said, okay, he died. Now you have to let him live. We don't know the Cheshman. We don't know the Cheshman, but they can't embarrass you unless you're supposed to. So it definitely takes away a lot of Averis, whatever it is. I'm not telling you to walk around and say, embarrass me, I want to go to Gadeid, and it doesn't work. It's not the way it works. But it, but so, so this boy was Michael, everybody. Unbelievable. It's very, very important, especially in these days of Ben Adam Lechavero, the reason the Beis Amidash was destroyed with Ben Adam Lechavero, it's very important in these days to work on Yemidos and to understand no one can hurt you unless Hashem lets them. So they're Rasham, and they're going to get it. But you have to understand that. And if you're Mekabal that, your whole life will be different. Because if you realize that, you, listen, if you hurt me, it's supposed to happen. It, the reaction is very, very different. They're like, well, how could you do that to me? It's a different way of living. Okay, sec, sub, subject number two. I saw a bunch of girls this week in my office, this week, last week, all from very religious homes. Okay, some of them are off the derech, some of them are struggling. So, you know, some of them want to go to my school. Some of them I have to place in other schools because they got kicked out. So, you know, you got to ask them a bunch of questions. I've been doing this for 38 years. So you got your questions, you know, you do, you do drugs, depending on the girl. Are you, are you cutting? Are you... Are you depressed? Are you um, talking to boys? Are you with boys? Um, do you drink? Right? And all these questions. But in the last three years, there's a question that I asked to the frumous girl. She looks so from, she's Basyakovi. And the last question I ask is, are you Machal Shabbos? Now it sounds ridiculous. We're asking a Basyakov girl who comes from a from family, are you Michal Shabbos? But it's not ridiculous. Because so many kids today who look from, who are in very from schools, are Michal Shabbos. And every time I get a, yeah, I am, Michal Shabbos, 
I get even more surprised because some of the girls I'm talking to are like really sneers and everything, but they're Machal Shabbos. Now, how are they Machal Shabbos? They're not, they're not, they're not taking the bone out of the fish. And they're not, uh, they're not making tea from a tea bag. They're on their phones. They're texting, they're watching a movie, they're on their WhatsApp with all their friends. And the question is, in the door of Mashiach, because this is the door of Mashiach, why Shabbos? Why is this Satan after Shabbos? Adultery, Abedizara, atheism, right? Why are you taking from kids? There was always Chilul Shabbos. The non-religious people, the people who became reform and conservative in the times of the Holocaust. But from kids, this kid is, her dress is below her knee. She diamonds three times a day. She doesn't take a bone out of the fish. She has very heretics. And give it up aim. She knows the whole Mishlei. She's the bad Victorian of a base Yaakov. Never ever did that kid be Michal Shabbos. If you got the whole package, right? You got the whole package. Why would you be Michal Shabbos? You're, you're a from girl. And, and I've had this so many times where the girls, I'm a from girl, but I'm Michal Shabbos. That's an oxymoron or just a moron, right? But it's, it's, what, what do you mean that you're from and you're Mechal Shabbos? You're not from. What makes a person from, right? If you, if you want to know if someone is what? What, do you, what is the question that you ask? Are you Shomer Shabbos? Right? Can you touch the wine? Are you Shomer Shabbos? Right? I go on, on, on LL, I fly, right? So all the wines that are not Mavushal, the, 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 the girl, the woman, the stewardess, is not allowed to touch an open bottle of wine, even if she's Jewish, if she's not Shemr Shabbos. So, so there is one wine always that's mavushal. You have to look, but you can't just drink any wine, right? So the standard of a Jew who is Orthodox is: Are you Shemr Shabbos? We don't ask them in shul. We want to give you a liyah. Are you Shemr Nigiya? <laughs> I'd be like, what? <laughs> are you Shemr Taras Hamishpacha? Excuse me. You know, are you Shemr? Kosher and not kosher, we don't ask that. The shul that I dive in Michigan today is called Congregation Shomer Shabbos in Borough Park. Why? Because it was a shul that you could not become a member was only, was the only shul at that time, or there was one other one in the 1940s, because everybody would get up in the morning early, 7 o'clock, Davin, and go to work, because they didn't want to lose their jobs. Shomer Shabbos was the only shul that you could not be a member if you're not Shomer Shabbos. In fact, the Hasidim do not allow a seven o'clock minion, Hashkama minion. Because the Hashkama minion was where everyone went that was Machal Shabbos, because they had to get to the job at nine. But they wanted to go to shul, so they went to shul at seven, and then they went to work. So by Hasidim, there's no such thing. There's no Hashkama minion. Because Hashkama minion represented the people that were Machal Shabbos. So the shul that I daven in, daven tonight, was congregation Shemesh Shabbos. You could not be there if you're not Shemesh Shabbos. So the, the litmus test of being an Orthodox Jew is Shmira Shabbos. Why? Why not Shemini Gia? Taras HaMishpacha. That's huge. Right? Shomer Kashris. Why Shabbos? And why, in the end of time, <coughs> did the Yetzirah come to the religious Orthodox community 
to take our girls, more girls than boys, because girls are more on their phones, and take our religious from girls who are good girls and have them be Michal Shabbos. What's the plan? So I spoke about it this week. Everybody thinks the internet, right? We had internet, everyone got together, we had a convention out in the field, the giant stadium, whatever stadium it was. Everyone thinks that the Sultan created the internet so people should watch pornography. Shemir Zanayim. That's what we think, right? We should meet boys. You should, right? Must be, right? That he brought this filth into the world so that you should look at things that you shouldn't, that you shouldn't look at. No. Much bigger plan. So let me explain to you something about Shabbos. So there's this man who loved his wife very, very much. He felt that she was the greatest thing that ever happened to him in his life, which every man should feel. You know, it's an interesting thing. The Gemara in Kedushin learns when you get married, you have to give a, a ring where it has to be worth a penny, a proof. You have to buy your wife. You have to be Kona, right? An Ish is Kona, his wife, with three different things. You be Kona, your wife, with it, with a shtawet, with money. So you, you have to, we ask, I've been in aid many times, Shava Pruta, is the ring worth a penny? Yes, it's worth a penny. Of course, if it's only worth a penny, you'll throw it back in his face. But it's worth at least a penny, right? And you're kind of her. So there's a Kenyan. It's like a Kenyan, like you bought her. Where do we learn this Kenyan from? Kicha, kicha, mistay Evron. By stay Evron, when, when Abraham Avinu bought the, the Maros HaMach it says that Kiyikach, he bought it. By a woman, it's Kiyikach Isha Isha. So how do we know that when it says in the Torah, Kiyikach Ish Isha, that when a man takes a woman, it means that he's buying her. Maybe it means he just takes her into the house. He walks her into the house. We learn from Ephron. Since it says the word Kicha by Ephron and it meant buying, so when it says the word Kicha by a woman, it means buying. So we learn the kingdom of a woman from Ephron. Now who was Ephron? The biggest Russian in the world. He was the one that ripped off of Ramavinu. He first said, I'll give it to you for free. Well, if you want to pay, then I'm going to... So the question is, rabbis, you want to learn about buying a woman, your wife? Why do you have to learn it from this guy? There are so many kinyanim in the Torah, people buying things. Learn it from something else. So I heard amazing words. Ephraim thought he ripped off of Ramavino. He charged him 400 silver dollars. It wasn't worth close to that. So he ripped off Avraham Avinu. So when he came out of the deal, he was like, oh my gosh. It was like, 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 like when we bought the ranch. Oh my gosh, did I get a Metziah. Wow. Oh my gosh, did I do well. Avraham Avinu left, and he said, <laughs> he thinks he ripped me off. I just bought them Arsa Machpela. He doesn't know that Odom and Chava are buried there. He doesn't know that it's the entrance to Gan Eden. He doesn't even know what he just sold for $400. So Ephraim walked away thinking he made the best deal of his life. Avram Avinu walked away from the deal thinking he made the best deal of his life. So each one of them thought that they made the best deal of their life. Says the Gemara, what better place to learn marriage from? That the husband's under the chuppah thinking, I cannot believe she took me. I cannot believe that she took me. This is like, I got the craziest deal of my life. 
she's standing there thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe he took me. I got the greatest deal of my life. So just like in this deal, both walked away thinking they made the best deal of their life, that's where we learn marriage, where each one walks away thinking, I don't deserve her. Wow, did I do well. That's why we learn a kicha kicha mistake. So this man, he loves his wife. And, you know, I remember when I first got married, I used to buy FD things, because you always want to surprise your wife. You want to surprise her. You don't want to go shopping with her, and she picks it out, and you pay for it. That's no fun. So I once bought her a pair of earrings. I was so excited. Because I was engaged. And on King's Highway, I bought this pair of earrings. They were tiger eye. The jewel was called tiger eye. It was tiger eye. Like the guy was like, tiger eye, it's so in. It's a damn pair of earrings. I buy it for her. She don't wear it. Shabbos. She doesn't wear it. I'm like, maybe she lost it. I'm not sure. Like, whatever it is, right? So one day I asked her, many years after, I'm like, whatever happened to those earrings? She goes, they were so ugly, Zachariah. It was like, no way I was going to wear them. So, like, at that point, I'm like, okay, no surprises. I'm not, you know, you don't know what someone likes. This guy, but he made up his mind, he's going to surprise his wife. So he didn't know what she likes. Diamonds, pearls, sapphires. I don't know what kind of jewelry she likes. So he went from, from jeweler to jeweler, and this guy showed him a sapphire, and this guy showed him a diamond, and it's, it's perfect color, and it's four carats, and it's, like, really nice. But maybe she doesn't like diamonds. Maybe she likes yellow diamonds. Maybe she likes blue diamonds. Maybe she likes a pink diamond. I don't want to buy her something, and then she's going to return it. So he goes from place to place to place. He's willing to spend any amount of money, but everywhere he goes, he can't find the right thing. He comes to this store, which is like for the queens of, uh, you know, Sheba. And he tells the guy the problem. He goes, you know, I've seen such beautiful jewelry. I don't know what she likes. If I ask her, then it's not a surprise. He says, I got, I got what you want. He says, I have a ring that has sapphires, pearls, diamonds, rubies. On the ring is every jewel. And not only every jewel, but every single one of them is flawless. So whatever she likes is on that ring. Crazy price. It's very, very expensive. This guy had a lot of money. Okay, wrap it up, shine it up. He never saw string. He looked at this ring and was like, you had to put on sunglasses. It was like, amazing. He wraps it up. You're, you're, you're women, so you're not guys. You don't know how excited that we, when we want to surprise you, we have this like pit in our stomach, you're going to like it, you're not going to like it. And you know, as you're, un, as you're unwrapping it, of course, if, if you have the right relationship, as you're unwrapping it, you're like, you're sort of like, you're, you're a guy, so you're standing like, yeah, I bought this, yeah. You know, wow. You know, I got this for you. Like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm a man. I bought you this present, you know. Woman, you must like it. So she's unwrapping and he's standing there and he's like, wait till she sees this. It took me five years to find this thing. It took me all my credit cards, my, my American Express, but I put everything in it. <gasps> she's going to go crazy. And she unwraps it and she opens it up and it's on this velvet thing and she looks at it. The thing is sparkling and he's like, yeah? Ugh! It's so ugly. She takes it, throws it on the floor. They're all smashed. Steps on it. Disgusting. Wherever you got this, take it back. I hate it. As I, she broke his heart into a million pieces. This was his dream. He's, he's bringing his wife. He spent all these years. He spent all this money. Oh my God. 
She just, she just shattered my heart into a million pieces. He's finished. He's done. He's broken. Could you, could you, could any, would anyone in this room ever do that to your husband? For sure not. And that's what you do when you're Michal Shabbos. Says the, med, says the Medrash. That on Shavuos, when we got married to Hashem, Hashem gave us Kedushin. He gave us a ring. The Kedushin was two sapphire tablets. That's Saras Hadivros. That was the Kedushin. Moshe Rabbeinu, the first time, threw it down and broke it. Because if we would have been married and committed adultery by serving that Vajdazara, we would have been Chayav Misa. So he said, I'm not giving them the Kedushin. I'm not giving them the ring so that you're not married. And he threw it down. We never got married. So even though we were doing the Egel, it wasn't adultery because we weren't married to Hashem. The second time, he brought it down. He gave it to us. It was the most beautiful Medrash Rama. Hashem said to his angels, I'm married to Klai Yisrael, my Kala. We're married. We're going to the Yichud room. In the Yichud room, you have to give the bride a piece of jewelry. Right? What, what should I give her? Says the Medrash Hashem went in his, to his safe deposit closet. And he looked in the safe deposit closet for the most beautiful thing that God owns in the whole world. He wants to give it to his kala, to his bride in the Yichud room. Shabbos Shema. And the ring is called Shabbos. The most beautiful thing that Shem owns in the whole world. Shabbos Shema. And he takes Shabbos and the angels say, no way God. You are not giving them Shabbos. Shabbos is in Shemayim. The whole Shemayim on Shabbos stops. Gehenim is off. The whole Shemayim stops. You're not giving that. She doesn't deserve that. And Hashem said, she's my kala. I am giving her the most precious thing that I own. And he gave us Shabbos. And the Sata knows that we could have excuses for adultery. You could say, I'm, I'm, I got crazy hormones. I'm out of, my, I'm, I'm out of control. I have, I have taiva. I, 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 I have taiva to eat a burger. I, I, I have to eat a burger. I, I, you know, Hashem, I get, the Torah, the 613 mitzvahs, is, is the kedushin. But there's no answer for stepping on the ring and for throwing the ring back into the face of God. There's no answer. Shabbos is separate from the Torah. Shabbos was given to us in Marah before we even got the Torah. Shabbos is God's present. And as Satan said, in the ends of time, when I'm going down, when Mashiach is supposed to come, how am I going to stop him from coming? That the Jews are sinning? So the Jews are going to say 2,000 years, we don't have a base on me. Just come on, God. You put us in America. You put us with all these, with this. It's not our fault. And God's going to forgive them. But God will never forgive them for taking his Shabbos and throwing it back in his face. That he'll never forgive them. So the Satan decided that at the end of time, I'm going to get the religious Jewish kids, girls, men, boys, whatever, and I'm going to get them to throw the ring that God gave them in the Yichud room back into his face. And that he won't forgive. 
The internet is not about pornography. The internet is not about wasting time. How is the Sutton going to get a base Yaakov girl or a yeshiva boy to be Mechalel Shabbos? No one in my generation, if you were religious, if I turned on a light by accident, because I went into the bathroom and I was used to turning on the light, and I turned on a light by accident on Shabbos, I was, I, I was trying to figure out what I did wrong that Hashem allowed me to accidentally turn on a, a light. I'm not going to tell you where this happened, but it just happened a few weeks ago. A bunch of girls in a bunk. By accident, they left the light on. So they were looking for a guy to turn the light off. There wasn't any. So a girl in the bunk from, from camp got up and said, oh, that's not a problem, and flipped it off in front of the whole bunk. See, I'm not dead. God didn't kill me. So the Sutton said, how am I going to get these kids to do it? There's no way that a, a Jewish from girl is going to watch a movie on Javis. That's for the non-religious, but the religious girl that's, that's strict about how she gets dressed and she doesn't talk Lashon Hara and she says Tehillim and she daven Shachros Mincha. How am I going to get this girl to be Mechal Shabbos? I'm going to create a technology that they're going to be so addicted to that they won't be able to turn it off on Shabbos. Because the one thing you can't do on Shabbos is technology. So he's so brilliant. We're thinking... Don't let your kids have an iPhone because they're going to watch dirty movies. They watched dirty movies in my days too. They snuck into movie theaters. They bought dirty magazines and put them in paper bags. If you want to watch dirt, you'll find the dirt. You think that's why he made the internet? Houses of ill repute were from the beginning of the world. Not something new. You think that's why he made the internet to waste your time? Okay, you waste your time. It's not a good thing. Master plan. I'm going to get Jewish kids to be Mechal Shabbos. How am I going to do that? They're going to be addicted. There's four other girls on WhatsApp. They want to be on WhatsApp too. Shabbos is boring. I can't have my technology. I'm used to every second a text, a text back, a text back, a text back. Uh, 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 it's buzzing in my pocket. It's making noise. I can't. 26 hours, you want me to sit in a room and do nothing? Sultan said, that's how I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them so used to doing something that what Shabbos stands for, which means spending 26 hours with your date, with, with the chasan, with Hashem, they're not going to be able to deal with it. So at the end of time, that's what he wants. Chilil Shabbos. It is spreading. I got up there, go to convention, everyone was like, one out of a million. I'm like, no, 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 you don't know what's going on. I'm in the trenches. I'm meeting one after another. They don't keep Shabbos. And the people are like, nah, you just want to get up. You want to raise money for Ornava and what you do. So you're one of these guys that's going to get up and say things, you know, everyone's dying. Everyone's a drug addict. Everyone's, ah! I'm like, listen to me carefully. I talk to kids. They're not keeping Shabbos. And the place was like, ah, ridiculous. Now, it's not ridiculous anymore. Seminary girls, Eretz Yisrael. Why keep me Shabbos? They called it half Shabbos. It's not even a sixteenth of a Shabbos. Don't you think it's half Shabbos? You, you turn on your phone, you're Mechal Shabbos. You chayv kares. You chayv, you chayv skila. You chayv the worst of the four bezin, things of bezin. You get skila for Shabbos. Why, why the worst? Because it, you, you took this ring and you, and, and you threw the present that the Malachim, and, and who's going to take revenge? The Malachim. Hashem. 
<laughs> we told you not to give them that ring. We told you they're going to abuse that ring. Come on, let us go down there and break them. Let's take the ring back to Shemayim. Let's take Shabbos back to Shemayim. They don't deserve to have it. Look how they look what they're doing. It's very, very serious. Five out of five girls that I met, the last five girls, not one of them is Shemar Shabbos. They look Shemar Shabbos. They play the part Shemar Shabbos. They're on their phones on Shabbos, in their room, under their pillow, where nobody can see it. So why do they come to you? What do they want you to do for them? They want me to help them with other things. I can't break that addiction. It is such an addiction. It's not about Yiddishkeit. It's such a weird thing what I'm saying. They're from. It's such a weird thing coming out of my mouth. They're from. They're not talking to. They're not going to. They're not talking to boys on on the phone on Shabbos. They're 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 they're, they're going to make good shiduchim. They they eat chol yisrael, and and he's so smart that how do you live with yourself? You're 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 cut right. So I spoke about this in the mountains, and a young girl was there. She said, Rawlston, can I walk you home? I said, yes. She starts walking me home, and she turns to me, she goes, I'm stepping on his ring. I'm like, what? I know who she is. She goes, I'm stepping on his ring. I'm going to keep Shabbos. What, you? Yeah, I'm on my phone. I'm stepping on his ring. So I said, okay, we have to talk about it. We have to, we have to stop stepping on his ring. You should see the medrash, the Russian the medrash uses. He went to this base Genuza Hashem. He went into his safe deposit box and he took the most precious thing he has. The most precious thing that God has is Shabbos. And what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? So the Sultan figures, I'll get God so angry at them that he won't bring Mashiach. That's the internet. I didn't see it. I didn't see it till this year, till the last few months, because it's it's so rampant. I I, I was also definitely pornography. That's why he did it. <laughs> no, this is this again. Don't get me wrong. It's a big problem, huge problem. And there are people that are addicted to pornography, and there are people that are addicted to this and to that. And it's a big problem. That's the sidebar. That's taiva. What do you, what are we going to answer? There's no taiva. To be Michal Shabbos. Adultery is a time. It's a lust. I want to be with a woman. I, 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 I want to drink. What's the taiva to turn on a light is a taiva? What are we going to tell Hashem? Like you gave us this present and I had this taiva to flip on the light. No, you didn't. You can enjoy me from flipping on a light. But I didn't give you that Yetzirah. That's not what it's about. It's an addiction. They're not flipping on the light. They're not turning on the light to find the phone. They won't turn on the light. They won't put a tea bag in hot water because it's chita. But he created an addiction on such an addiction on such a level that when Michal Shabbos. I think didn't they think like that? Some guys that have been cooking that person they think that because they can do it, that they can do it. Nah, girls, girls are not on their phone because of that. No. No, no, don't blame that solo. That would be the wrong. That's not, no, no, no. You're in your room watching a movie. What does that do that solo? No, protecting the phone. They're allowed to. It's for saving lives. I don't. I don't, I don't. No, I'm saying. Listen, you can't. 
That's not what I'm seeing. These girls, no girls said to me, my father's not so, that's why, no, no. No, it's, it's, it's very posh. It. A whole week, a whole week, every second you're texting, you're texting, you're texting, you're watching a movie, you're on WhatsApp, you're on WhatsApp, listen, all day long, all day long, green, gray, green, gray, blue, depends on, I don't have such a phone, but it depends on what you're sending and how you're sending. Green, gray, blue, green, gray, gray. A whole day, that's all you do, that's all you do, that's all you do. It's your whole life. Your whole life is that screen. Now, all of a sudden, for 26 hours, no screen, you can't deal with it. So he created an addiction that would break Shabbos. The addiction breaks Shabbos. Being a drug addict doesn't break Shabbos. You can take your drugs on Shabbos and not be Michal Shabbos. Being an alcoholic doesn't break Shabbos. Being all the other addictions, right, doesn't break Shabbos. This addiction... Break Shabbos. It's brilliant. He's a satan. He's, he's, a, he's a malach. He's not stupid. This is the end. And he wants Chil Shabbos. I don't, I don't even know how to battle it. Because if you don't battle the phone, you can't battle the addiction. If you're on your phone all day, in 26 hours, you're, you're having withdrawal. You're, you're like, you're, it's, 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 it's vibrating in your pocket and it's not even in your pocket. You're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I went to shul and I, I left my phone in my pocket. It's vibrating. You put your head in your pocket, there's nothing there. It's called phantom vibrations. When a whole week it's vibrating and then it's not, vi- and it's not in your pocket, you feel it vibrating. Right? You're looking down. It's not in your hand. It's unbelievable. I have a girl that's really working on it and she gives her phone to her parents to lock in their drawer, Erev Shabbos. And she has such withdrawal. It's like withdrawal. It's like a drug addict. Such withdrawal. She's like, let me leave it in my drawer. I'll, I can do this. I'm like, no. It's going to be in your parents' drawer. Mom's going to drug at it. Shul Shabbos, you have to be very careful. Shul Shabbos is an insult. And we'll end with this. I told you this story. I once told this to you on a Tisha above. In the Holocaust, in the Lutz ghetto, I believe it was the Lutz ghetto, so they had a law that if you were caught smuggling food, they would, they would beat you with a, a two-by-four piece of plywood. They would beat you to death. But the Germans, were the Nazis, were very, very evil. And what they did is they, in the ghetto, they constructed, they built a, a, a court. And they had Jews judge the other Jew. And of course, if you didn't judge the other Jew the way they wanted you to, they killed the judge. So they would have a judge who would be a Jew. They would have a lawyer, the defending lawyer would be a Jew. The prosecuting lawyer would be a Jew. The, they, were, they, always, they recorded, their Germans were into recording everything. The court scribe, clerk, would be a Jew. And they would make us judge our peers, right? And then find them guilty. We would say guilty. The Germans say, you say guilty, right? But if you didn't say guilty, they shot you. So it was like a, a kangaroo court. So they, they caught this woman, Rifka, this lady Rifka, smuggling food in for her little baby. And they brought it to court, to this court. And it wasn't a little baby, it was a little boy. I think he was maybe six years old. And they made her stand in front of the court with this six-year-old boy. And the judge read the charges, caught you bringing in bread, punishable by 50 lashes, 50 hits with this two by four, Broke, break every bone in your body. And the prosecuting, the prosecuting lawyer against her was a Jew. 
Never, he had no choice, or he gets shot. And he's getting up there and he's reading the proof, and we found you and the witnesses, and the witnesses are Jews. They, they were mamish, they were, they were so evil, they knew how to be very evil. So the defending lawyer, she was standing with a little boy, we'll call him Chaim. So the defending lawyer says to her, Beg the court, beg them for your son's life, beg the court that they should have some sympathy that you didn't do it for yourself, you did it for your little boy, and maybe they'll cut your sentence in half, and you'll only get beaten 25 times, and they'll break every bone, but you won't die. And you'll live to take care of your boy. Beg them. Sometimes, if you beg in front of the Nazis, they'll have pity on you. She stood there, not a word. He says, listen, you have a minute. If you don't say anything, they're going to find you guilty, and they're going to kill you. And the little boy turns to his mother, and he says, Ma, Please, Ma, beg them to have mercy. She doesn't say a word. The judge says, you have nothing to say, Rivka? She goes, we find you guilty, punishable by 50 lashes by the two by four. They take her outside, and they beat her 50 times with this two by four. She's bleeding from everywhere. Bones are broken. The Jews take her. They put her in a stretcher. It's written in the book of Lenin Lushabeach, if you want to see it. And they bring her into one of the houses in the, in the ghetto, and she's dying. She's bleeding to death. And the little boy is standing next to her. And he says, Mommy, I thought you were so brave. Why weren't you brave? Why didn't you say anything to those people? You wouldn't be so bleeding. And she turns to this little boy. She says, Chaim, don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. What's today? He says, what's today? She says, what's today? He says, Shabbos. She said, Chaim, every word I would say would cause a Jew to write another letter, another word. I will never cause a Jew to be Machal Shabbos. So I took those 50 lashes so that the, the clerk would not have to be Mochal Shabbos. Don't ever forget what I did. And she died. He got up. It's a very famous story. I don't know who he was. He got up in Florida. He was an older man. And he said over the story. And he said, you don't understand what it means to give your life for Shabbos. My mother was worried. She didn't even know if the person who was writing was religious. But God forbid another Jew should be Machal Shabbos because of her. Those are the last words I ever heard from her mouth. We need to begin to keep Shabbos on the level, the understanding that it's the greatest present that God ever gave to any human being. And we need to respect it that way you know a few days ago a guy said to me Rabbi Wallstein you're speaking on Tisha B'Av in the Kailo I speak in the afternoon in the Kailo I'm like yeah they, they asked me to speak he goes well not this year this year Tisha B'Av is going to be a Yantif this year Mashiach is going to be here I said why because you said so why this year why, why do you think he'll be here this year and he wasn't here last year 
I'm like, what did you do a whole year that this year it should be a yuntif? You think because you're standing here saying, well, this year, because you don't want to fast? <laughs> you want to have a party? By the way, Tisha we're eating this year because Shabbos. So everyone who gave a bracha last year, next year you're going to eat on Tisha B'Av, it came true. Because Tisha B'Av is on Shabbos. It's the 10th day that's that's on Sunday. But w- everyone's walking around like, oh, Mitzah Shem, it's going to be a yuntif. Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av. Why? Because you said so? What did you do this year? You did something to change it? Just walking around, making a statement. I said this guy, and I'm a pretty rough guy. I'm like, what? What did you do? What? Why should you, why should Tisha be a yantar this year? It wasn't last year. You stopped talking Lashon Hara. You're nicer to people. You're learning more. You're davening more. You stopped talking about that. What did you do? Like, why shouldn't there be another Tisha Like, what did you do? Uh, I'm like, yeah. So if you wanted to be a yantar, if you wanted to be a yantar, do something about it. You have three weeks. Now you don't have three weeks anymore. It's a Tzvish of on Friday, right? You have nine days to do something about it so that Tishma of this year is a Yantif. It's Shabbos, but also be a Yantif. You have to do something about it. You can't just walk around and say, we want Mashiach now. Well, everyone walks around. We want Mashiach now, right? Yeah, you want him? So do something about it. You want something, you have to do something about it. It's time to do something about it. Careful not to insult other people. Careful not to listen to Lashon Hara. Careful to walk away when there's a Machlokas. And very careful with Hashem's ring. Very careful. Show him that you love it. That he gave us his most precious thing and that you appreciate it. Keep Shabbos the way that you're supposed to keep Shabbos. And then we'll have the Skos Emirz Hashem to have the house that Hashem built for us. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.